Hello? Chris, it's Scott. Oh, hey man, how's it going? <laughs> totally excellent, dude. Oh, um, okay, cool. Well, what's up? <laughs> Not much, compadre. Just chilling out here at Mikasa. All right. Hey, uh, are you okay? You seem different. Oh, yeah, man, I'm totally tubular. I've just been listening to this bitchin' new podcast and scarfing down some zaz, you know? Right. Bitchin'. Totally. It's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, and it's a completely gnarly new show that breaks down, analyzes, and discusses the 1990 live-action Turtles movie one shell kicking minute at a time! Wait, one minute at a time? Like, a whole episode dedicated to just, like, one minute of the movie? Oh. Hey, Scott, hold on a second. Dude, I have got a boss new podcast to show you. Oh my god, it's like totally rad. You're gonna freak. Hey, Adam, Rachel, uh, come in, I guess. Is that Scott? Put him on speaker. Yeah, he was just telling me about Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles, Turtles Minute. Minute? Excellent. Excellent. Rad. Dude, dudette, how totally mondo is that show? Totally, man. I like scope so many fresh new knowledge nuggets. I feel like my brain is going to explode. Yeah, and it comes out every day of the week, so I can just max and relax and score some serious turtle time. Chris, you have to motor over to DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute right now. Yeah, okay, I, I just... Am I going to start talking like that? Yo, Connor, don't be a spaz. Yeah, be wicked. Bodacious. Righteous. Fresh. So, bro, what's it going to be? You going to check out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute or what? Well, I guess there's only one thing to say. Cowabunga! Yeah! yeah! Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, available July 31st on DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. To Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one kiss-denying minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. <laughs> I'm Zach Luna. And I'm Scott Tofty from Calling BS. Welcome, Scott. Hi, guys. Hi. Good to I'm have on you on a new on. show of yours. Zach, how yeah. have you been? Good, good. Long time no speak, man. I know. Happy I haven't have talked on. to you in a long time. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hey, how about that theme music, huh? Yeah. Oh, it's pretty darn good, right? I mean, we just we just got here, and everybody who's in their car or at home right now just heard that beautiful theme music, and mm-hmm. I wonder who we have to thank for that beautiful theme music. Yeah, Is whoever anyone... did that must be really talented. <laughs> yeah, oh, wait. Yeah. It was me. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for agreeing to play that live just now in the studio. <laughs> 
hey, you know, I've got my keyboard, my synth set up, my Moog is over here. I've got patch cables running everywhere. Man, I figure if I'm going to come on a show, I'm going to perform live. I am an entertainer after all. Yeah. Um, I'm thoroughly entertained. Uh, you 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 knocked the, our theme song out of the park, and uh, I couldn't well, get, wait to get you on to sort of talk about uh, that. But we will we will get to the music in a little bit. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right now, we are talking about Minute 66, which begins with Harry and MJ in Peter's photography crosshairs <laughs> and ends with something in the distance flying around a building toward the festival. Oh, yes. I would venture to say that those are also jealousy crosshairs. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's fair. <laughs> Emotional crosshairs. It's fair. Um <laughs> Uh, so we get this super awkward conversation where Harry's being super gross and controlling and asking MJ why she didn't wear the black dress, which, first of all, I mean, look, I don't know what the black dress looks like. I don't think we ever see the black dress <laughs> and, or maybe we do. Is it the dress she's wearing at the funeral later? Ooh, maybe. It is oh, in my head now. Awesome foreshadowing. Oh, Ooh. man. Yeah. My father loves the black dress. Well, I <laughs> oh wore it for him. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> I think you just tied a nice little bow on that one, dude. Wow. That's incredible. All right. Well, we'll have Dang. to come back to that later. Um, yes. <laughs> well, anyway, so so let's let's say let's say she only has she's she's poor ish. So yeah. she probably yeah. only has one black dress. She's so that's 2002 poor. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so she probably only has that one black dress. Um, so uh, here's my thing. Like your your easy argument here is why didn't you wear the black dress? Because it's an international it's it's about different cultures. I'm wearing yeah. a dress of another culture. What like everybody else here. This is festive. Why wouldn't yeah. I wear the festive dress? <laughs> like so it kind of begs the question cultural appropriation oh we yeah. brought that up last week oh, yeah oh you sure. did okay yeah the, yeah, the yeah. entire right. premise no, of this no. festival is just white people dressing well, up in let's, other cultures <laughs> let's yeah. not beat a dead asian horse then okay yeah um it's it's uh yeah it's it's not a great festival it's the, exactly it's, the kind of uh problematic so much worse than SantaCon. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's exactly the kind of problematic uh, festival that an early 2000s corporation would put together. Um, and I yeah. also want to I want to throw out my expertise as well. Now, I was not living in New York City in 2002, but I have lived here for the past six years or so. So mm -hmm. I'm going to say that this festival is far too sober an occasion for any gathering of this type in New York. Generally in New York City, when you have like, hey, we're going to have a parade of like Halloween parade or, you know, whatever. Anytime there's like a cause for people to get together, it usually does become a whole bunch of white people jumping on it and going, we're going to drink now for this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I've played in gigs at like SantaCon, which for those of you who don't know, SantaCon is when the entire city of New York dresses up like Santa or slutty Mrs. Claus and just mm -hmm. gets drunk like pure Boy. amateur hour toasted all over New York city to the point where they've had to try to like shut it down for the last few years. But that is a, <laughs> a pretty good example of what most like giant festivals are like in New York city, at least nowadays. Awesome. Yeah. It, it seems that, uh, unless you are depressed in a Spider-Man movie, there is no drinking. Um, true. For the yeah. most part. Oh, wow. uh, like the only people who drink in in Spider-Man movies are like depressed about depressed or angry or, you know, a, a negative emotion. And then they feed the negative emotion alcohol. Uh, yeah. 
seems to be there's, the only there's no like social drinking or like casual like not just, really oh, there, there's like out. there's some prop stuff i think there's um that uh that that uh jjj jr party in spider-man 2 there's some casual drinking of like martinis and stuff oh right yeah um but Champagne it's mostly just flutes. props i don't know that you actually see anyone drinking anything yeah well, I think it they're just holding things stuff. in line with the whole like we're all in high school thing, also, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not now. Now they're in college, but it's been like oh, that's but still right. they're like freshmen, right? Yeah. So they're still yeah. not old enough to drink. Legally, Very true. In public, Very true. yeah. Very true. <laughs> Even if no one would card uh, this this Toby, <laughs> try to drink, no one would card him. He looks like he's forty five. Um, <laughs> but we love him. So much. We do. We love him. Uh, yeah, so so this this whole exchange of like I wanted to impress my pa- father. He loves black. Oh, <sighs> dude, that's like. Can you think of a more of a more like without without like dipping into like sexual harassment? Can you think of a grosser thing to say to He's like your so significant other? Manipulative, <laughs> oh. like Harry yeah. is is the most manipulative person in this part of the movie, like. He's there's very few redeeming qualities about him. And that's actually one of the issues I have with, I guess, this movie. And I think maybe more James Franco as an actor sometimes is Mm -hmm. that he I I don't know. And I am not a great film studies expert or anything. But whenever I see Franco on film, save for one or two occasions, he always seems really one dimensional with a lot of his characters. Hmm. And I feel like Hmm. Harry Osborn in this movie, to me, is just it's he's not there's not a lot there that makes me go oh I just I don't want him I want to like relate I want him to be a good guy I don't want to know that he turns evil like he just sort of like he goes too far into the deep end I think without being sort of sympathetic enough to the viewer that's my interpretation mm-hmm. of Franco's uh, uh, Harry Osborn in this movie I, I think you can say that you know when you're pulling an individual scene or something like that I think the movie sort of requires you to like lean on the earlier like sad uh scenes with harry to like to gain most of your sympathy before he just becomes like you know sniveling college butthead guy um i, I mean it for the most part it works for me in the film but i could totally see like you know the the general franco uh irritation that some people carry to watching franco on screen uh <laughs> landing a lot heavier in moments like this when he is being so nakedly gross yeah um, yeah it really well, and I, and I think I, I think generally um, what they've done with Harry is, you know, like in the comics, Harry is not an attractive guy. And mm-hmm. you kind of get the vibe that if he wasn't rich, he'd be a bigger he'd be the kid that Peter Parker beats up. Um <laughs> And the only reason that he had any sort of popularity or pull uh, socially was because he could buy his friends a night out on the town and, you know, they would use him for his money, which which is uh, that doesn't really play in this movie because they cast James Franco, who's Mm -hmm. an attractive dude. And then they have the other kids like make fun of him for being rich which doesn't really play like doesn't that doesn't make any sense. It just rich shaming land right. No, rich shaming isn't really a thing. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> you're rich nerd. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, that doesn't really play. And then so what they end up doing with him to sort of um, 
capture that Harry Osborn that we know from the comics is they they focus on the uh, the sort of uh, you know hero worship of his father, mm-hmm. and they they sort of build his social awkwardness around that. And for the most part, I think they do a pretty good job. Uh, and by they, I mean, you know, the the writers, Raimi and Franco. I think everybody just does a pretty good job. But but I think that another pass focusing entirely on Harry's character, mm-hmm. I I don't think it would have gone remiss. Um, I, yeah. I think I think I think you could have strengthened it just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously their focus is going to be Peter, not Harry. And and I think that what we have with Harry is good enough. I it's think. functional. Yeah. 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 But it doesn't in moments like this where it's like, oh yeah, I remember why people really got pissed at this interpretation occasionally. <laughs> but because mm-hmm. like whenever you have a scene with him with Norman directly, I think it falls very well into place. Maybe because of the way that Defoe elevates the um, you know, the conversation in the room or the energy and everything, but but mainly because uh, Franco's a lot more vulnerable in those scenes. Like he's just willing to sort of be sort of open. Whereas mm-hmm. any any scenes that Norman's not in, he he does seem to be a bit more of a closed off jerk face guy. I and just kind of yeah. I've always found that Franco as an actor does better when he has more talent in the room with him. Like mm-hmm. he he never strikes me as like a leading man type, but he does like in any of the movies where he's comedic, like any of the, uh, uh, I guess sort of the Apatow films where mm-hmm. he's like, you know, one of a larger ensemble of comedians, he's always great in those and I really enjoy him in those. But anytime he's tried to be like a lead character, like I just finished watching uh the Hulu series 112263 based on the Stephen King book, which oh, yeah. if you haven't I read the book, the, the book is amazing. The the miniseries is not great. <laughs> and part of it is I in in my opinion it's just I have such a hard time believing Franco in a lead role like that. Like I just don't think he's quite that level of actor. And I know how mm-hmm. artistic he is. Like I've listened to interviews with him where he's like I go to film school and I'm directing and blah. like he's doing all these things as a higher education and like he's just he's such an artist, but I don't think it ever lands the way that it needs to for him to be considered like a a quality leading man so like to your point of saying when he's in a room with with uh uh willem dafoe i find those scenes a lot more bearable and believable too because he's reacting to someone who's incredible um Mm -hmm. when you pull him outside of that and you put him in a scene where he's sort of the focus i just don't think it's as strong Mm -hmm. his his best scenes um are are the ones are definitely the ones with Toby and with uh, Defoe. I think those mm-hmm. are definitely his best scenes. Those are the people that he has the most chemistry with. However, I like, I don't think he has chemistry with, uh, with Kristen Dunst at all. Um, and in this movie, and I don't remember, I only, I'm only remembering one scene with the two of them in Spider-Man two. Um, yeah. but there is that kitchen scene the characterization a little bit too. Sure. Yeah. There, yeah. there is that kitchen scene in Spider-Man three between the two of them. That is excellent when taken out of the context of what it's actually doing <laughs> well, in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but actually like if you just take the scene out and just look at it, they have all kinds of chemistry. Like it's actually, it's actually a pretty good scene between those two actors, um, mm-hmm. which really felt long overdue at the time. 
Um, but I think here, the reason that it's not quite working is because I, I don't think it's supposed to, um, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be like, you know, what, what are you guys doing? Like, stop it. This is not, (laughs) you guys are shoehorning this relationship. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, and so for that, uh, the way that it, like, like Zach said, it's a functional, um, it's a functional scene because it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do, which is make you uncomfortable and not want to see these two people together. Yeah. It's just, just so I, gross. That whole, like, and she turns her head and like, he's still trying to kiss her. Like he doesn't get the hint right away. He like, he holds out for just a little bit too long when she turns away oh, and he's God. still puckered up. Mm-hmm. Blah. Blah. Yeah. Not good. Um, not he good. does. Uh, and then he spots Peter mm-hmm. just creepily staring up at them like a four year old, <laughs> um, which the framing of that shot, too, by the way. And I want to talk a little bit about the cinematography in this, but we'll start with this one. Um, uh-huh. The fact that literally everybody else in the shot is heading in some other direction and Peter is so center frame and he's the only one who you get a, there's there's like one other girl who's accidentally looking into camera in this shot which uh-huh. is like 30 seconds into minute 66 but like mm-hmm. you're so yeah. your eye is so visually drawn right to peter it makes mm-hmm. it extra creepy yeah. oh yeah well and it's and it's from a distance and mm-hmm. and and his uh uh harry's reaction to him just like staring up at them also like adds to it. I'm sure this shot was in that horror movie trailer. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> it had to be uh, because uh, yeah, this is super creepy. Um, not like, uh, it's, it's, it's a weird enough, like outlier look that he has there that in the way that they framed it and the way that he's staring and how creepy and awkward it is that you kind of buy that Harry could spot him at all in the crowd. Like, Mm -hmm. because he's pretty high up, uh, all things considered. And the crowd is huge. And like, I understand Peter spotting them with his magical telephoto camera lens. Uh, that's so small and compact on the front of his camera, but it's almost beyond belief that (laughs) Harry could just like glance out and spot Peter. But when you do see the reverse shot of Peter, just looking up like a, I don't know, a big sore thumb. <laughs> the opposite of Waldo from Where's Waldo? Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that you're like, okay, yeah, this this tracks. <laughs> uh I also um it's a it's a small there's actually um a lot of small cuts throughout this entire sequence. Just mm-hmm. just little bits that they cut out. Um and one of them happens here, which is that when he sees that she dodges his kiss, he sees it through the camera and he actually pumps his fist because he's like, <laughs> oh. oh, there's hope. Um, and uh, then Harry sees him celebrating. That's a, that was a good editing choice. And they both see each other. And then yeah. Harry's like, uh, let's go inside. That's just a little too on the nose, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a ringing good that cut. bell a little too loud. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> yeah, get that it. One's, we got that it. one's a good Thanks. cut. Yeah. <laughs> that one's a good cut. Um, this whole thing of will you do me a favor? I left my drink inside. I'm like, really, dude? Like you you dissed your dress, and now you're telling her to go find your drink. Fetch me my drink. <laughs> Fetch me my drink. Drink. Fetch wench. me my Fanta. Yeah. 
because I'm too young for alcohol. Uh, and like the fact that. that it's so well rehearsed, like he's asked people to do that before. He's just kind of like, you know, oh, do me a favor, I left my drink inside, can you go get that? Just like as an excuse to get people out of his face or something. I don't know, it's just, it's so How's she supposed to worded. know? Yeah. Which drink Wh- is which his? Which drink is his? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's the trick. I don't know. Uh, there's seven <laughs> drinks here. Yeah, I'm get oh, them good. All. She'll she'll be in there for like 20 minutes before she figures out she doesn't know which drink is mine, and then... <laughs> Peter will be long gone. I bought myself so much time. I do have to point out um, near the beginning. Uh, is it the beginning? No, I think it's the end of the minute. Yeah, it is. What, after after Peter hears uh, the or, or has his spider sense go off, um, mm-hmm. there's a guy behind him in like goggle looking sunglasses and curly oh, hair like and a beard. I yeah, the Oakley guy. He uh. he is. He is perfectly lip syncing to the Macy Gray song. Oh, oh no way! <laughs> I am so, I am so impressed. I don't. I guess they must have been playing the song on the set. That's the only way, right? That's amazing. That would make sense. They that, almost never they, do, though. Yeah, they well, they, never, they do. never do stuff like that on set because they don't want the 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 sound to be messed up. But. They don't need sound here because he's not talking. So they probably were yeah. playing it. And then he, this guy's lip syncing to it, like just kind of singing along to it as he's walking past. And I, I'm like, yeah, he's really out of concert. That's cool. I like so that. That means that means that that shot right there had to be the starting point from which they edited this entire sequence. Right. Because like if Macy's great, if Macy Gray was playing, if they're playing the song live, on the yeah. set as they're shooting and they're chopping up this scene here and there. That means the audio is going to get chopped up too. Like the, the track in the audience is going to end up not being a continuous track. It's right. going to have, mm-hmm. it has to be overdubbed in ADR after the fact. So they must've started with, all right, this dude's lip syncing. We have to make sure that when we drop the track into the final scene lines up with this dude and then screw the rest of it. It doesn't matter, but this dude has to line up. <laughs> right. Incredible! That dude has no idea how important he is. To the edit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he also firmly plants this movie in the year two thousand two. Oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I I couldn't believe like as I'm looking up information in this minute, like I was looking at the soundtrack and like I'm seeing like mm-hmm. Los Lobos, Some Forty One, Chad Chad Kroger, Macy mm-hmm. Gray. Like the strokes, like this is a super 2000s soundtrack. Mm-hmm. There are super 2000s looking people in this with like, like the, the sunglasses and the mutton chops and people with the sideburns and like the <laughs> not quite mom jeans, but not quite bell bottoms anymore. Like it's, this is, you don't realize how dated a movie is going to be until you watch it, you know, years 15 later. years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of it too is that it it mostly crops up in these big crowd scenes because people are wearing their own clothes. Whereas in a lot of the like smaller scenes later on, that they kind of dress people in this almost out of time place where mm-hmm, right. they they do slightly sixties ish uh, jackets and like weirdly um, a contemporary. That's not a word. Uh, anachronistic. Now. Like yeah, <laughs> weirdly a contemporary clothing uh, pieces that it's like the the overall tone of the movie is like slightly current day, but slightly in the past fun in most of the like very clearly uh, designed and coordinated outfits. But in scenes where you got to have like a lot of extras who show up in their own clothes on the day, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That is 
That is a year I remember being mm-hmm. a thing. <laughs> and there oh it is. Oh my god, there was probably so much Zima on the set. <laughs> <laughs> it's back now, you know. All oh, those, yeah. uh, all those, fa- all that fake surf shop clothes that people oh, wore. Puka Guys shells. Wore. So yeah. many puka shells. Oh man, the early two thousands. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the the spider sense. I like that the the spider sense is going off well in advance, as if yeah. to say, this this is a big deal. Like, yeah, you're like this. This is this isn't just danger. This is this is bad. This is real bad. We're giving you extra um, warning now. Yeah, yeah, you're getting an extra warning. And Peter's just like, I don't understand. Nothing's happening. Why is my spider <laughs> sense going off? Uh, I I love that. I love that it's an extra extra long spider sense tingly uh, feeling. So I have a question for you. Does it take anyone else out of the movie when you look at the shots of like Harry on the balcony? And to me, mm-hmm. these look so, it looks so much like a soundstage to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is oh, a soundstage, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then you see the exterior shots of actual New York. Like, to me, it, it almost, like, doesn't quite, like, it's jarring to me to see that now. And I feel like that's another one of those things that's kind of like a hallmark of movies of this time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a certain look about, and I don't know if it's the cinematographer or, or you know, wh- whoever is on this movie that might have done a billion other movies. But right. there's a certain look to movies of the early 2000s where it's like they're, it's not, it hasn't quite reached the authenticity and the, the I, I guess, realism mm. or at least like cohesion of movies as we're seeing them now. But it still looks better than anything that came in like the 80s. Yeah, we, but, we talked about we talked about this a, a, a little because um, we 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 think that it's. Uh, it's Sam Raimi's attempt at making like a big, big studio blockbuster in sort of that classic Hollywood style. We compare the movie a lot to Tim Burton's Batman, which is um, kind of what I was wondering if it's more of a yeah. Sam Raimi thing and less of a, you know, product of its time thing. I, I think so, because I, I think that um, other films that he did, like like when you compare this to Oz, um <laughs> There's there's a similar thing to it where even though it is loaded to the gills with CGI, um, the the sets feel like sets in a way that uh, old school Hollywood uh, films would do that. Right. Um, And and the other the other one that we compared a lot to is uh, the first Avenger, um, which has Mm -hmm. a lot of backlots and and sets and old Hollywood magic uh mixed into it as well. And I think that for some people it works really well. Like Zach and I love that. Like like we love that kind of yeah, yeah, that sort of throwback to like an old Hollywood way of doing things. And then other people like you, it kind of sticks in your craw because you're it, like it it the, where where's the location shooting and the you know, like that's more what your your um taste is uh obviously it doesn't even uh, tuned stick into. in my craw so much. Like it doesn't I mean, it, it's noticeable to me, mm-hmm. but I almost I write it off as like, oh, this movie looks like it's from the year 2000. Like it just mm-hmm. to me, it's like okay. visually an identifier of a, a, a certain time. Like the, the Star Wars prequels to me, same thing. Like and granted, all those are shot in, in CGI, but like any any scene Top where there's story. even remotely anything real 
Like mm-hmm. it's still there's a certain way it's like lit. There's a certain way it's like the 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 scenes are framed. It's just like it's the way that the uh uh like Scott Back to the Future was yeah. you know Dean Cundy. The certain way that the '80s movies have that kind of certain look, that visual kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. Movies yeah. of this era of the early 2000s have the same kind of different but same kind of vibe you know i think yeah, i get what you're well, saying where it's like similar to like lighting a commercial lighting and shooting a commercial than lighting and shooting like a contemporary yes. like indie mm-hmm. drama or something like that like yes. everything almost feels like somebody's about to like throw up a coke can in it which we had a dr <laughs> pepper bit you know earlier in the movie so uh, well, we get a budweiser I, I, bottle on Times square in this one that's true yeah yeah Times square I, I i think part of that is just like the decisions there's a whole bit in the um behind the scenes book where they talked about like this sequence, the, you know, the, the fake festival that originally was supposed to be um, Thanksgiving uh, when they were the, the Times Square. I mean, does the Macy's day parade go through Times Square or is it like another part of the city? Um, but like, it, it yeah. goes up fifth Avenue, I think. Yeah. I don't think it goes into Times Square. It's like 34th street and up. It might be right. Times Square adjacent, but I don't think right through no. Yeah. But they had some sort of logistical conflict with actually shooting, uh, you know, during the actual parade and how much other stuff they had to do. And they're like, well, let's move it to something else, but I still like the idea of the balloons and the parade and the festival. Let's make a right. generic festival to do it. Mm-hmm. And let's focus on a not real building. Cause I think what would seem like the more appropriate choice here would be pick a real location in New York and then pick a like very nice building that you could shoot your exterior shots in and then match that with your soundstage bit. But they made up a building Right. And Sam Raimi told them to focus on this, like, uh, I can't pronounce it, Bow Arts, B-E-A-U, uh, architectural style that's, like, a little unreal with, like, big mermaid people and stuff and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That, like, they wanted uh, a period of ar- architecture that's slightly fantastical, almost unreal, because there's something, which, like, fun and charming about it. Yeah, which is not, you know, out of the realm of possibility in New York City. There's a lot of sort of weird contrasting architectural architectural <clears throat> styles, so it kind of yeah. works. Um, and I mean, when the, we get to it later on, when the building falls apart, that it becomes really apparent that we're on a soundstage, but we'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I'll say this. It's definitely it's definitely I mean, OK, so the director of photography, uh, Don Burgess, he was replaced uh, because mm-hmm. Bill Pope is the director of photography on Spider-Man two and three. Mm-hmm. Um and Bill Pope is a master of his craft. He's he's the <laughs> he just best. shot Baby Driver, by the way. Yeah, he's oh, he's oh, the which best. I just work- saw like two days ago. Yeah, he's yeah. the best working director of photography currently. He did The Matrix. Um, he's 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 unbelievable. The guy. Um, yeah. And and we'll have a lot to say about him on Spider Man Two. But Don Burgess, uh, also an incredibly talented director of photography. Who, uh, like, you know, bringing back that Zemeckis connection uh, was Zemeckis's director of photography after Dean Cundey. Um, oh, wow. So he was the director of photography on Forrest Gump, uh, Contact, Castaway. Um, so hmm. and when you look, when you think about those movies, it's like, oh, yeah, those all kind of look Oh, they all kind of look the same, uh, mm-hmm. especially Forrest Gump. I see a lot of comparison bef- between Forrest Gump, the visual um, texture of Forrest Gump and the visual texture of this film. I but see a lot of, of similarities. Yeah. 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 Um, and and uh, he also did uh, the Richie Rich movie. Uh, uh-huh. He did uh, Terminator 3, which, again, 
I can see a lot of visual similarities between yeah. Terminator 3 and Spider-Man. Uh, 13 going on 30. Uh, oh, totally. Totally. Uh, he, absolutely. Um, he did uh, uh, He did source code, um, which huh. I can still see some similarities there. Uh, and he also did the Muppets again. Totally. I can see it. Which Muppets? Um, the the new the one from 2011 oh, the, TV show? the Muppets oh the movie. no 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 the yeah. Muppets oh, movie. Jason Segel yeah one. gotcha 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 yeah I can't yeah I can't call it the Muppet movie because that was another movie right oh my <laughs> so god it's the Mu- how hard did I cry during that movie oh I know anyway. totally anyway um so he, he did that and now he's currently working he's currently the director of photography on are you ready for this of all things Aquaman oh no way huh. yeah huh. Okay. Yeah. Who's, who's directing Aquaman? James Wan from the mm-hmm. Fast and the Furious movies. Well, not all of them, but some of them. Yeah, he did the Conjuring uh, movies as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll withhold judgment. Wild. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that tells me that Aquaman's going to be a very colorful film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want orange and green. That's all I care about is orange and green. <laughs> me too, man. Me and too. and red because of uh, because of Mara's hair. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah so oh and speaking of which he, he also did the conjuring too so there you go um yeah. which is a great looking movie actually uh so yeah this guy's a great cinematographer um oh yeah uh, he really is it's just i i really think that this is a sam raimi thing sam raimi wanted okay. this to look like an old hollywood movie and uh, and so I don't think he is trying to hide the sets as much as maybe other directors would, because I think that there's something about it that he he likes aesthetically. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. I buy that. All right. Yeah. Um, oh. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I wanted to point out, too, that the other thing that sort of plants this firmly in the year 2001, 2002 for me is the fact of the giant TDK billboard. Mm-hmm. on Times Square. Like, do you remember what TDK, what, what that no. company was famous for? It was no. cassette tapes, right? Yeah, they were a cassette yeah. tape manual. Like, they did a lot of other electronic <laughs> stuff, but they sort of made their bones in cassette tapes. Yeah. And we're, like, still making, like, cassette tapes and, like, VHSC tapes by 2002. And then, like, 2004, they sort of started manufacturing Blu-ray. They were one of the companies to jump in onto the Blu-ray craze. But, like... You just you don't see a lot of TDK around mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> you you know what else you don't see a lot of? <laughs> if you're gonna say cup of noodles, you're wrong. No, no, singular. <laughs> um, singular yes, wireless. Okay. Yeah, singular wireless is absolutely not a thing. <laughs> Isn't that like a twice um, dead like cell phone company? Like they were bought by AT and T, who was then bought by somebody. Wait, no, AT and T still around. Yeah, no, no, no. They were singular they definitely were, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, singular <laughs> was bought by something that was bought by AT and T. That's um, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this was back when there was like seven different companies, and now there's like basically three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, singular definitely feels like an early two thousand. Yeah, you don't uh, see the little splat logo guy anymore. That's for sure. No, that's no. Which is very Nickelodeon looking, <laughs> I might add. Uh, and they're, and what a weird, like, so they're saying they're singular as if there's no one like them, but they sell it with a, they spell it with a C because they're a cell phone company. 
<laughs> what a weird. Sure. Like what? It's Kingular. Or, or cell- <laughs> Kingular wireless. Sing. sing- yeah. Is it pronounced Kingular? Is it's like cellular, but like, but but they're they're singular also. It's, I, it's the Oneiders. I get it. Yeah, it looks like the Oneiders. It's definitely the Oneiders. No, no, no. O N E wonders. Got it. It looks like the Oneiders. It looks like yeah. the Oneiders. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of Gump. <laughs> so yeah. So then the last thing I wanted to mention was that here he asks Fargus where his father is because he wants to introduce him to to MJ. And uh, Fargus says, oh, uh, I don't know if your father is going to come to this. Okay, then what the hell is Harry doing there? That's what I want to know. How did he even know to come to this if his father wasn't going to be attending? Well, maybe it's like the hot event, you know, in town. But how did, he, how did he get up on the balcony and everything? Rich privilege. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you're Harry Osborne, you just walk wherever and people let you in. Because have you talked you about how face like James Franco? Have you talked about how weird it is that he's trying to earn his father's love by introducing him to a hot chick? Like, Dad, look what I got. <laughs> love me now. Yeah. Oh, it's not good. It's look not how great. proud you should be of me. I'm tapping uh, that. Oh, <laughs> that <laughs> Hug is me, what he's Dad. Doing. Hug me. No. Yeah, it's <laughs> super wrong. <laughs> Harry uh, Osborne sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the fact that it would be contingent on making sure she looked extra hot that day. Ugh. Yeah, you uh, need to give my dad. Now, I'm not going to. How is this a PG-13 show? Is this an, yes. Anyway, I need you to turn it, my yeah, dad yeah. on so that he'll love me. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, so wear something up. slinky. It's really ugly. <laughs> uh, like so messed up. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, so many more issues than are present yeah, well, you're gonna you're gonna like something I'm gonna bring up uh, tomorrow about the kep draft. Then, um, mm. so uh, we will we will talk to, uh, about Stay that tuned, tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> so so Scott, tell people about uh, your one of one of uh, three dueling genre shows that you're involved with. Uh, but tell people about uh, calling BS. Well, Calling BS is a podcast that I do. It's kind of like a talk show, I guess, is the best way to put it, with a a friend of mine for well over 10 years now. I went to college with him. I played in a band with him for a long time, my friend Brandon Warren, and we are releasing bi-weekly on Dueling Genre. We've just put out, uh, as of recording this, I think, three episodes, including the first part of our Star Wars two-parter. So uh, we, mm-hmm. we did about three and a half hours of talking about Star Wars, so go listen to that. And it's just kind of a show where we get in a room and we riff for, you know, an hour to two hours about things that we are interested in and hope that the listeners are interested in, things that we feel like we're v- well-versed in. We did, a, uh, we did a Beach Boys show where we had a guest <laughs> on, and we talked for two hours about the Beach Boys because we love the Beach Boys. Like, listen if you yeah. want. It's it's fun show. Mm-hmm. And we did a, a show about what it means to be an 80s kid where we got raked over the coals for being generationist and maybe a little bit grumpy old men. Like, <laughs> okay, I get it. That's fine. Everyone has their opinion. Um, but yeah, Calling BS this, is on Dueling this Genre. Airs, this airs uh, on July 31st, um, if that uh, helps you orient yourself. So July 31st, uh, I believe that will give you guys time to check out both of our Star Wars episodes because the second one comes out July 15th. Mm-hmm. And by the 31st, you guys should be able to hear our junk food show also. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, so you guys grab- are all over the place. You're, you're we, general anything 80s that we find interesting. Stuff, yeah. I'll tell you, we've got a, a Bond show coming. We've got a Rocky show coming. We have a pro wrestling show coming down the pipe. There's a Batman show coming. Like anything that interests nice. us. We are going to talk about. We do a weekly trivia on the show where Brandon and I are trying to stump each other with facts about the topic of the week. He is currently <laughs> whipping my butt. Um, awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a fun show. It is. It's a really fun show. I I listen to every episode, and we uh, have sound effects. What more can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that um, we're kind of like a morning drive show. If, Perfect for yeah. your morning drive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sort of a little bit. You're just focused. You're very focused. Um, <laughs> Call um, BS with Brandon yeah. and Scott. You can find yeah. us, you know, duelinggenre.com or iTunes or, I don't know, probably more. Mm-hmm. Where else did you submit us, Scott? <laughs> Every, everywhere. <laughs> We're everywhere. Google Play, you know, all of those. Also, um, Brandon and- Warren has the best on-air voice that I guarantee you've heard on a podcast in a long time. Yeah, it's pretty that good. Dude it's is pretty like, good. It's like audio chocolate. Yeah, it's very every every intro that he does. It's uh, it's it, I'm just like, I like my eyes he's, go wide every time because very I'm like, good loquacious. God. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Um, and I and I'll say this: the, the here's the best thing about your show is because you guys stay focused. There's an episode that like you're like I don't know anything about that or I have no interest in it. You can you can listen to it if you want, or you can just be like, I'll yeah, skip this one and wait until the next. Yeah. One. Wait, wait till the next one. Cause you guys jump around a lot. So it's, 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 we, uh, you know, topic to topic, you know, our episode formula to episode, is but. to try to not do the same kind of show two shows in a row. Yeah. Uh, so like if we do a movie one, uh, you know, week and then, you know, a couple weeks later, we're going to do, you know, the junk food show, or we'll do a show about a TV or video games or something. We're trying to keep it varied enough so that every couple weeks, there's something that might grab you coming down your feed. Yeah. Love so, it. so go check that out at dueling genre comes out every two weeks on Saturday. Is that right? Saturdays. Yep. We, yeah. we come up early Saturday mornings. So yeah. So go, uh, go check that out. And another one uh, with just fantastic music all throughout it. I don't know who's doing all this stuff, but <laughs> somebody real skilled. <laughs> your, your, your intro music on calling BS is very catchy. That's um, actually, it's a, it's a song off our upcoming record. <laughs> Oh wow! Nice. Wow. Okay. Yeah, awesome. yeah. And if actually, if you download our Beach Boys show, you get uh, the guest on that show is our bass player, uh, a gentleman by the name of Will Propestis. Uh, and at the end of awesome. our Beach Boys show, which was our second episode, we actually did a live in studio musical performance for the people. So if you want to catch that, and it's a heck yeah, a, a you did. Song of ours. I would yeah, love go, to. Yes. Go download That's our awesome. Beach Boys shows. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. And while you're uh, checking things out, if you're on Facebook, of course, you're going to want to go to the uh, Spider-Man Minute Friendly Neighborhood Listener Group on Facebook and uh, join the community there and and share uh, your Spider-Man love with all of us and, and talk about the show and things like that. Um, so go check that out. And we will be back tomorrow with Minute 67. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.